Hey there, I'm Grace. And I'm Amelia. And welcome to the Women Invest in Real Estate podcast, where we talk about getting started in real estate, scaling, and we give you the inside scoop about our day-to-days as full-time investors. Have you thought about joining the community? We've created a membership for female aspiring and existing real estate investors. Included is a monthly masterclass from an industry expert, a monthly live Q&A with Amelia and I, and a community dashboard for networking and asking questions. Sign up at womeninvestinrealestate.com slash the community. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to episode 16 of the Wire podcast. Today, we are going to do a deep dive on partnerships, and we get questions about this all the time on Instagram. So we're super excited to do a deep dive on what they look like. And then at the end, we're going to show you what each of our partnerships have looked like. Yes, we're super excited to talk about this because partnerships are huge when it comes to growing your business. And if you look at any real estate investor who has a ton of units or has done a ton of deals, more than likely they've got multiple partnerships in the background that are helping them do that. So partnerships can be a massive tool when it comes to scaling. So first one we'll talk about, and again, a lot of people don't realize that there are two different types of partnerships, and that is debt and equity. Amelia, do you want to explain what an equity partnership is? Yeah. So an equity partnership is when you both are owners of the property. You both have a piece of the pie in the partnership in the property. So it depends really on who brings what to the table, but in the end, you both own the property. The other is debt. And Grace, I'll let you explain debt because you've done quite a bit of debt partnerships. So take it away. Yes. So a debt partnership is really just a loan. Think of it as when you go get a project, sometimes the bank gives you a loan. That's exactly exactly what it is. It's just that it's an individual person giving you that money. So there is a specific loan with a specific timeline, interest rate, payback period, and all of that good stuff. So that person does not own the property. They've just given you money. And we'll dive a little deeper into that tips and tricks to make that type of partnership work for you. But in general, that is what a debt partnership. So the difference between the structuring of debt and equity is again, an equity partner is an owner. They have a piece of the pie and a debt partner is just lending you money. Yes. And there's pros and cons to each. So we we're going to walk through a couple pros and cons of each. So for an equity partnership, I'm going to start with the cons because I think that they're might be more cons for equity just because you could get into a really long-term partnership with someone that you don't necessarily work well with. So that's con number one is this is a longer time period. Usually debt partnerships are Mm -hmm. for a shorter period of time and equity, you're more in it for the long haul. So they're a partner. Like you have to get along with them because you're working with them. Yeah, they're a true partner. You own the business together because you should view your properties as businesses. So you're in business with this partner. So if personalities clash, that can be a huge con. What other cons are there with equity partnerships? I would say the biggest con that I hear is that people don't want to split their pie with somebody else. So you have to remember, yes, when you get into an equity partnership, that means you're maybe only getting half or third or two thirds of the profit. But at the same time, you're getting half a third or two thirds of the risk or the responsibilities. So it depends on which way you look at it. But I always tell people 100% of nothing is still nothing. 
Exactly. <laughs> so if you're super adverse to partnering, but you have nothing, well, then you should don't need to be worrying about partnering because you still have nothing. And one way to really protect yourself against things that could go wrong is to have a really strong operating agreement when you're in an equity partnership. Mm-hmm. I have an attorney draft my operating agreements for my partnerships, and this lays out all of the responsibilities of each of the parties in the document. So, you know, at the end of the day, if there's a disagreement, you've already decided ahead of time how that disagreement is going to be handled. And attorneys that write these operating agreements, they know what kind of stuff is going to come up and what kind of stuff needs to be included. So don't feel like you need to know everything that's going to go into this operating agreement. They should be able to guide you through creating this and help you have those discussions with your partner. Absolutely. And that is the biggest mistake that people make is they get into an equity partnership and they don't make an operating agreement, not even a list of responsibilities, not even a conversation of who should do what. They just hit the ground running. And so for that, that is another big con is that equity partnerships are a bit more complex because you're both owners, you're both working on it. And I think that it's important too in your operating agreement to have a period after maybe you've been in partnership for a year or two, have it written in the operating agreement that you're going to reassess whether, mm-hmm. you know, whether that's equity, whether it's the structure of the partnership, et cetera, in rules, a year or two, yeah, rules, you're going to reassess and it's possible to update that operating agreement mm-hmm. at that time. So yeah. super important to keep in mind. Some pros, I like equity partnerships because it allows me to buy more property. I've partnered with people that I only knew through Instagram and it worked out amazing. So like Grace said, if you own 100% of nothing, it's still nothing. (laughs) I think the biggest pro of an equity partnership is that you can merge two strengths together. So maybe Amelia is really good at finding deals, but I'm really good at managing the rehab and putting in a tenant. It It might make sense for us to form a partnership to merge our strengths together. And also that reduces risk. It increases the maybe availability of capital between the two of us. So that is definitely the biggest benefit of an equity partnership. Absolutely. Any other pros and cons that you want to talk about with equity partnerships? I think that's it. I think in general, it just depends on how you look at it. What's a pro for somebody else might be a disadvantage for the next person. So again, get back to your why, get back to what it is you want to accomplish, and that will help guide you to understand which partnership or if a partnership is going to work for you. Yeah. And honestly, guys, we're both, I feel like, still fairly new to investing ourselves. So you're hearing this all from like people that haven't done hundreds of partnerships, like some real estate investors, but we're also giving you just like a real life look into what goes on in our heads as newer investors when we are going into a partnership. So if you're in the same place as we are, this could be really relatable for you. Absolutely. So moving on to a debt partnership, like I said, pretty much just a loan also called private money. The pros and cons, I would say first to start with the disadvantages, the cons is that it's expensive because you have to pay five, six, seven, eight, nine percent to borrow somebody's money. So you have to build that into your calculations. And typically people use debt partnerships or private money on shorter term activities. That's burrs, flipping, stuff like that, where there's an exit strategy that's maybe three, four, five, six months a year. And that is how you pay back your debt. Absolutely. There has to be an exit strategy. It's a short-term loan, generally a year or less, unless you really work out some good terms. Mm -hmm. But you have to have a way to pay the interest on that loan and then pay it off in full, most likely at the end of the term. So 
definitely keep that in mind when you're doing a debt partnership. I just saw a question this morning and I want to bring this up. I saw a question in a Facebook group that someone asked that said, when I borrow private money and it's interest only payments, where does that money come from for Mm. the payments during that time? And it's like, okay, that seems like, yeah, it's like, okay, I guess that (laughs) seems like common sense to me, but it's like, those are called holding costs Mm -hmm. and those have to be factored into your rehab budget. Those have you have to have a plan to be able to pay that during right. that time period. So if you have a W-2 job, that probably is coming out of your monthly paycheck to go towards growing this business. Sometimes you can work out terms where there's no payments until the end of the term, but a lot of times they're gonna want at least an interest-only payment right. every month. And when we say terms, guys, you could you could do anything. I mean, shit, you could pay somebody in pairs of shoes if you can negotiate that. (laughs) Whatever you can negotiate. Typically, there are general guidelines for what people negotiate. I tend to see private money recently, probably anywhere between 6 and 9%. Typically, you want it to be better than that person could get in the stock market because otherwise it would make more sense for them to just invest in the stock market, which is 100% hands-off. And so that's where that comes from. Typically, it's six, seven months, less than a year. Typically, it might be interest only and paid out on a refinance. And when I say paid out, the lump sum that you owe them, you get that lump sum back to them by refinancing your property with a cash out refinance or selling it. Those yep. are typical things. Again, you can do whatever you want, whatever you can negotiate. If you can negotiate private money for 1%, go for it. I mm-hmm. want that person. And I know. A referral. <laughs> and just thinking about structuring the debt partnership, there's a lot of ways to find debt debt partners. And we can dive more into that. But I just want to talk really quickly about those interest only payments. Again, say your private money lender is funding you through a HELOC. They have a ton of equity in their primary residence. And so they pulled out a HELOC and let's say they're getting a 3% interest rate on that HELOC. So they're having to make those payments every month. Mm-hmm. And they've say they've loaned you that money at 8%. They need that monthly payment to pay off their HELOC, and then they have a 5% difference there where they're making Mm -hmm. a 5% return on investment on equity that they just had sitting in their home doing nothing. But that just goes to show why they may need those monthly payments. So that's something to think about when you're partnering is where are they getting that money from? Exactly. And what do they want to do with it? Another thing I like to ask private money is what is your plans for this money? Because if somebody's got a 17-year-old and in one year they have got to send that that 17-year-old to college and they plan to pay for it. I know my back's up against the wall in one year. They have got to get that money. If they're just kind of, you know, I just want this extra money for retirement. I'm going to funnel it back into another loan or another retirement account. Okay. I know I can be a bit more flexible if the project takes longer or something like that. So you do truly need to understand where's that money coming from and what are they going to do with it? Yeah, and so- you'll find that HELOCs are the number one source of money, especially if you can target an age group of people who've been in their homes for 20 plus years. Maybe they're a bit older. They have a lot of equity. They can take that out, basically make cash appear out of nowhere. <laughs> Granted, they have a loan. And then you go above and beyond the cost of their loan and that's what they net. Yeah. So I think the biggest pro of a debt partnership is that it's a short-term partnership, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> if and you don't like control. it. Yeah. And if it doesn't work out, that's fine. 
fine. You pay them off. You never have to partner with them again. It's small. It's maybe exactly. a year at most. And so. it's, again, it's more expensive up front in terms that you have to pay all that interest. But then once you pay them back, they're out of the deal and you own it 100%. So again, it comes back to if you want that or if you'd rather have somebody just come up with the money that you don't have to pay back, give them 40%, 50% of the deal and become partners. So Amelia and I always tell people, if you're thinking about equity partnering with somebody, start with a debt partnership because a debt partnership has a very specific timeline. Maybe it's six months. You pay them back a very specific amount of money at very specific intervals. So there's not a lot of gray area. And if that goes well, you feel like you communicate well, you like the person, they believe in you, you believe in them. Then you can talk about how do they move this into an equity partnership that's beneficial. I think it's always easier to start with the debt and move into an equity if you find that you work well together. Yep, absolutely. Now let's talk a little bit about how you can find each types of these partners. Mm -hmm. So we can do equity first. And I think a huge way to find an equity partnership. One, if it's outside of your friends and family, of course, I think start with who you know. Have you been doing this for a little bit and showing people that you know what you're doing? Start mm-hmm. having casual conversations at holiday get-togethers with people yep. like, Everybody hey, should know what you do. Yeah. Hey, I'm doing this. This is being, I'm being very successful with this. Uncle Richard, I know you have like a significant <laughs> HELOC available or whatever that you could invest with. You can do HELOCs with equity partnerships too, but that's huge. And another perspective I want to share is also you might be somebody who has the money and you don't want to do the work and you want somebody to be boots on the ground. So how do you find a boots on the ground? Maybe it's a newer scrappy investor who's hungry, who's willing to put in those hours, negotiate with those contractors and do all of the kind of hands-on dirty work. So you you can be that person who has the money and decide to partner with someone in an equity partnership because you need somebody to do the boots on the ground work. Absolutely. I think another really good way to find equity partnerships is through your local real estate investing meetups. There's obviously you're in a room with people that are Mm -hmm. interested in real estate investing. They're they know what it is. And I've heard of lots of people that have structured partnerships and out of local RIA meetups. Mm-hmm. So that's a huge one. If you're not already out there networking, you definitely should be. Okay, let's chat about how to find a debt partner. And again, I mentioned this earlier that somebody who's been in their home for a while that probably has some good equity. That's a great place to look. It typically is going to be people who are older. They've had more time in their life to make money. Also somebody who has a self-directing IRA. So maybe that they worked at a place for a really long time and they've either retired or they've moved jobs. That means they have available funds to potentially invest in your deal through a self-directing IRA or potentially through a self-directing IRA. What else, Amelia? High income earners, doctors, lawyers, people that have extra income that they maybe aren't doing anything with. And want to be hands off. And absolutely are too busy to actually do any of the work themselves. I think another good one is people that are already investor savvy. They invest in the stock market. They invest in Mm -hmm. crypto and Bitcoin or whatever. Those aren't (laughs) great. But they're familiar with what investing is. They realize that they want to put their money to work and get a return on that investment. Right. A hundred percent. And I think that... 
we I think I accidentally skipped over this, but the biggest con with private money lending, the biggest disadvantage to the lender is that they don't get tax benefits. They don't get appreciation. They don't get the write-off benefits because they are just loaning money. They're not owning the real estate. So make sure that they understand that. But at the same time, they're getting theoretically a guaranteed return, whether it's eight or 9% or whatever. Theoretically, they know that is exactly what they're making on, on their money and there's no guesswork. Yeah, and they don't have to do any work. They just Nothing. have to wire money and or cut a check. So that is great for people that want to be completely hands-off, give you the money, let you do with it what you will, and then get a return on it. Yeah. And one other huge way that you can find both debt and equity partnerships is through social media. Mm-hmm. Grace and I have both found partners through Instagram just by documenting our journeys and what we're doing. But we have people reach out to us looking to invest with us, looking to give yeah. us money. Just had someone ask both of us to partner the other day literally (laughs) yeah because we show up and we have that no like and trust factor we're very transparent about what we're doing on the day-to-day how our projects are going so they can just follow us on instagram and see what we're up to and decide if they want to lend us money or not absolutely and i think that's a good segue into learning about your equity partnership because you found that via social media. I did. So I'll give you a quick backstory on that. At the time, I had about 15 units of my own and I was ready to expand. I found an amazing deal on an 11-unit apartment building in Des Moines, Iowa, and I didn't have any money left at the time to buy it with. It was $500,000, and I was going to need 20% down, so $100,000. But I knew that I could be the boots on the ground. I could be property manager, do some of the cosmetic rehabs. I brought all of that to the table. I know the local market. I was willing to furnish some of the units to try out the midterm rental strategy. So I was that scratch happy younger investor that was looking to make some good money. So I posted about the deal on Instagram and just casually said, hey, I found this great deal. If anyone's looking for a partnership, send me your email and I'll send you more information. So I had probably 10 people that messaged me. And so I sent out an email that just basically had a rundown of the property, what my plan would be for the property. Obviously, it showed the numbers. And then I made it very clear that I was looking for someone to bring 100 percent of the financing. I had probably two people respond that were interested. One of the people actually tried to negotiate and say that they would bring 70% and I would bring 30. And I was like, well, no, like that's not going to work for me because A, I don't have $30,000 sitting around and B, like what I asked for was 100%. So if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. The other couple, which I ultimately ended up partnering with, the Reardons, they basically were like, yes, absolutely. We're in. We'll come with the full down payment and we'll leave the rest up to you. And it was just like this most amazing partnership right off the bat, super easy. We both knew what our roles were, just kind of, we talked briefly about it, but also they lived in California and now Idaho. So they were, I don't know how far away that is, a thousand miles away. So we knew they weren't going to be doing any of the day-to-day at all. I was literally going to be handling everything. So that's how that partnership was structured. It's been a little over a year now and it's been amazing. We are doing a couple more updates on the project property and then we're going to refinance. And I forgot to mention the partnership was they have 60% equity and I have 40% equity. And we just landed on that through talking about it. It wasn't a 
very long conversation because I was just very happy to have found a partner and 100% of nothing is still nothing. So I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have 40% equity in this huge, this 11 unit apartment, which was huge to me at the time. And so once, but now that we've got it up and running, we've really increased the cash flow. We're getting ready to refinance after we get new windows and they'll get back their total initial investment of $100,000. And at that time, we're going to restructure the partnership to be 50-50. And I will probably try to negotiate on top of that a property management fee of 10% because I am doing pretty much everything all the day to day. And if- And they're midterms. And they're midterms. So they're a little bit more work and we would be paying 10% to an outside property manager, maybe more for those midterms. And they probably wouldn't be doing half as good of a job. So more to come on that, but we'll probably negotiate that early next year. Yeah. So looking back, what do you think were like the three biggest things that you learned or maybe didn't even realize before you got into this partnership that you now know? Oh, that's a huge, that's a big question. Three things. One is put yourself out there and don't feel afraid to ask for partnerships. Even if you feel like you're a newer investor, I would say don't try to be, don't try to partner too early though. If you have never done a deal, I really don't think you should partner. That's just my personal opinion. Some people could say otherwise, but honestly, like how can somebody trust you with their money when you've never done it before? The second lesson I would say is try to negotiate right off the bat. If you're going to be the boots on the ground, yeah, that's part of the equity that you bring to the table, but try to include like a small management fee on top of that too, because it can get to be quite a bit, which is something Good that tip. I I didn't do right away. I mean, I'm still getting 40% of the cash flow every month, but I'm doing a lot. I'm doing all of the work. So, which is fine. And it'll be evened out when we refinance. But if I could do it over, I would try to negotiate a small property management fee. And the third thing that I would say is just make sure in your operating agreement that you have like a one or two year term where you can reassess what the terms are of the operating That's agreement. so smart. And speaking of that, of the operating agreement, so let's real quick hash out what are the legal steps of like title, loan, and other documents for somebody who's like, okay, how do I literally put together an equity partnership? Yeah, I didn't know any of that going in, to be quite frank. And so first step is obviously getting approved for the loan. So we both had to submit all of our financial information to our lender. Because it was a larger property, we also had to get board approval. So we had to provide all of the numbers for the property. They asked us a ton of different questions, yada, yada. So step one is providing all of your financial information. The title, that's normal. That's the same as you would do with any other. We created an LLC. Ownership of the property is the LLC that we created. We had an attorney draft up the LLC and the operating agreement. And yeah, I mean, it's really, it's not that hard in my Mm -hmm. opinion. It's been so long and quite honestly, I hire out a lot of like the stuff that I don't know how to do. Like all the legal stuff, I have an attorney that helps me with that. Right. And so then within the LLC, it would say Amelia and other half are... 4060 members. And another way that you can do an equity partnership without an LLC is called tenants in common. We won't go into that, but you can Google it. And then what's the other one? It's tenants in common. And there's another one, but it's basically for a way for just two people to partner and not have an LLC. Yeah, I have no idea. I'm not an expert on all things partnership. 
and you don't have to be either to get started. Yeah, so that was my equity partnership. And then Grace has done quite a few debt partnerships. So I'd love for you to tell us about the one. Let's tell us mm-hmm. about the one on your eight unit. Okay. Again, I found a deal, eight units that I could not afford, but I knew there was substantial value add. This was about a year ago fall of 2021. So I knew this would be a great time to borrow some private money, aka a debt partnership, fix it up and then refinance it to pay out that private money lender. So I actually got this unit under contract, not knowing where I was going to find the money, but I knew I had 60 days to figure it out and that it was such a good deal that it would, I knew it would work out. So what I actually did is I had been sharing my, what I was up to on social media for like about a year. And so people had been paying attention and noticing even when I didn't necessarily know that they were watching. So I went to Facebook and Instagram and I said, hey, everybody, I'm going to have a little investor presentation about how you can work with me. Come listen. You don't have to turn your camera on. You can literally be doing your dishes. I'm just going to give you a quick spiel about what I'm up to and how you can work with me. And I went over equity versus debt partnerships. And maybe a few people asked questions and one person ended up actually following up with me that I decided to do a debt partnership with. And real quick, I need to note that there are SEC guidelines that you need to adhere to when it comes to advertising returns and investments. Look those up. I don't know. I'm not going to lie, but we are not attorneys. So please know that you can't go around advertising like returns everywhere on social media. Anyways, I had this eight unit deal. I knew I wanted to use the private money for the down payment because I used a bank loan to buy it, but I didn't have that 20% down, which was maybe I didn't have the 20% down nor the rehab. So I wanted a hundred, I think I wanted $120,000 to get that done. 80,000 of down payment, 40,000 of rehab. So we decided to pay this private lender 9%. They got their money from a HELOC that they were maybe paying 4% on. So they were making that 5% difference every month. They gave us the funds into our bank account. We then went to the closing table and paid a check from our business for the down payment. And then we had that leftover for the rehab. It took us seven months to rehab these eight units. We put in all midterm rental tenants, turned over all the tenants, had a great looking eight unit after it. We went and got the property refinanced, reappraised, and then refinanced. And of course, we had to run our numbers to know that it would appraise high enough to be able to give them our private money lender all of their money back. So we bought it for 320 and I think we put, we actually ended up putting like 80 in and that extra 40 came from our own cash flow from the unit and a little bit of our own money and it appraised for 550. So we were able to pull out like 480 or something. I can't remember. 80%. 80%. We pulled out 80%. So we were able to pay back our private money lender all of their money and they got a 9% return for eight, nine months. And then now we own 100% a cash flowing eight unit. Granted, our debt is now higher than if we had an equity partner. Because if we had an equity partner, we would never have had to refinance. They would have just left that money in the deal and they would have gotten half the cash flow, half the appreciation, half the tax benefits, whatever. But we did not want to partner with this person. We just wanted to own this ourselves and we were willing to pay a little bit more to own it ourselves and and have that bigger debt. So were you paying them monthly interest only payments on the money? I was paying monthly interest only payments that started 30 days after closing. I think the interest only payment was like $850. And I actually did it in draws. So my first interest only was just interest on the down payment because we hadn't yet rehabbed. And I did that 
to A, protect the private money lender. Their money doesn't necessarily need to come to me before I spend it on rehab. It can sit in their bank account safely. And B, I don't want to pay interest on the money I'm not using. So we did, I think, three draws. I think the first one was like 80. The second one's like 20. And the second was 20. So at the end, the final interest only payments were around the 800 mark. The first ones were probably 600, 500. I can't quite remember. So then at the second closing table, I got a check for that cash out refinance for like 180,000. So then I paid them back their 120. Mm -hmm. So I just turned around and cut a check to that private money lender. And also one thing I want to know is legal in terms of the legal documents, we signed a promissory note that said we're borrowing this much money at this percent and it's due this due date. And I put 12 months knowing that I, knowing, knowing, (laughs) (laughs) knowing that I would probably get it done in eight months, but I went ahead and put 12 months to under promise and over deliver. And then we also, you could do a a second mortgage if you want. That's basically just a lien that says if we don't pay them back, they can foreclose on us. So you were paying the interest only payments every month, plus you were paying the mortgage. Yeah. Right. And so, and you were paying that out of the cash flow because there was still money coming in every month because the units were, you were rehabbing the units as they turned over. Yeah. And, and that was a huge risk factor, risk reducer as well as there was eight tenants. So I tried my hardest to only rehab one at a time. There was a point at the end where we had like three empty units, but to start off, we only did one at a time and that helped us cash flow those holding costs and some of the rehab. Yeah. And you had three empty units, but all the other units, well, most of the units were midterm rentals. So yeah, (laughs) you were cash flowing a lot higher than you were originally. Exactly. Yep. So So that's how I did it. And again, disadvantages, we took on a lot more debt, a lot more risk to get it started because we had to leverage basically the entire purchase price and the entire rehab fund. And then, but the advantage was at the end of the day, we get to be 100% owners and not have to answer to a different partner. And this was not your first deal. So Mm -mm. not your first rehab. So the investors felt comfortable because you'd already proven that you could do a major rehab, et cetera, et cetera. So that was our viewpoint as fairly new investors on how we did a couple of our first partnerships. They've both turned out really well for us. Some partnerships yeah. can end in a terrible, fiery car crash, but <laughs> <laughs> ours luckily We hope didn't. they don't though. Yeah. So just be careful when you are getting into partnerships. Some people swear they'll never do one, but we are not of that mindset and it's helped us expand very quickly over the last two years. Yeah, I would say be cautious, but optimistic. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions for us, you can definitely send us a DM on Instagram. It's wire.community and wire has two eyes. And if you would like to suggest any episode ideas, feel free to send us a message and we'll cover that in our upcoming episodes. Yep, we'll see you on the next one. Thanks. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you loved today's episode, please leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to check us out and join our community at womeninvestinrealestate.com and follow us on Instagram at wire with two eyes dot community.